Hello and welcome to the latest edition of China Inc. by Bamboo Works, where we discuss the latest business and financial news from China and what it all means. I'm Doug Young, Bamboo Works editor in chief, and I'm joined today by Renee Vangustine, one of our founding partners, who's also a longtime China watcher and former investment banker. Today we'll take a look at a new clampdown on private equity, and we'll also look at the latest retreat by a Chinese tech startup from the U.S. We'll start with the private equity clampdown, which could send a chill through China's vast field of high-growth startups, especially tech startups. A new draft rule issued by Beijing would sharply raise the amount of money that venture capital and private equity funds have to put up to be qualified. The new minimum is three million yuan, or about four hundred twenty thousand dollars, and well, that's not. Much for the big names, it could put a serious damper on the many smaller funds that have become an important part of China's venture capital landscape. So, Renee, I know this is something、uh, you're quite familiar with, and、uh, although maybe not these really small companies, but why, why do you think、uh, the government's taking this step now? Because you know, after all, these smaller funds are an important source of investment dollars for startups. Well. This makes me a little bit of the P2P redux. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was thinking too. The uh, look, um, I think there are way too many of them.、Uh, these amounts of you know four hundred twenty thousand US dollars and so on are ridiculously low. I think that a big part of the problem here is is a concern that. Uh, lots of you know Chinese individual investors could get hurt by this sector,、uh, a bit like you know people. Lots of people got hurt、um, by B two P firms, and、uh, we all know what happened there. And I think that、uh, to some extent that's going to happen here. You know, I think that from a regulatory standpoint and and、um, and and financial control standpoint. You much better off dealing with a smaller number of bigger players,、um, and you got to be a bit careful there not to go into a situation of you know too big to fail. But、um, uh, China being China, I'm sure there are like you know thousands of these funds. Yeah, they're just everywhere. They're tiny. It's much more difficult to control, to regulate, to monitor if you have you know a large number. Of、uh, you know smaller firms,、uh, you you can't really control that, and then you get you know all these so many people out there、uh, talking to or trying to get money from so many other people and so on, and 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 you know you just look at those sheer numbers, and there's no way, absolutely no way, that all of those smaller firms are qualified or smart enough. To pick startup targets that that will do well, and that's assuming that you know there's no fraud intention in any aspect of this, and so on, and and、uh, no favoritism, and you know not having people who get money, raise money from people to give to their friends who have you know a crazy idea. Uh, that's never really going to materialize. So I, I think this is actually very positive.、Mm. Uh, that's a positive step. It, it's you know it's probably not enough, 
but you got to start somewhere. Um, the uh, you know, I mean, the four hundred twenty thousand U.S. dollars. If you look at the Chinese uh, people, um, and you know, a lot of them actually have money. They are not necessarily very rich, but a lot of them have money. Everybody, every one of them wants to make more money. The real estate sector is losing you money for now, depending on when you invest it, but whatever. Um, the stock market has lost you, whatever, 13% this year and even more last year. What are you going to do? Then, then, you know, somebody comes to you and says, oh, you know, private equity. You know, I have a fund and I'm investing in startups and, you know, we're going to, you're going to make, make a lot big of money. Return. <laughs> of course, a lot of people are going to give money to those guys. Yeah. Of course. It, it's P2P, uh, you know, repeat, P2P right? P2P value uh, People, yeah, people gave a lot of money to P2P because P2P promised 10, 15, 20% return. Um, so, you know, I think this is positive. I think it's healthy. For the sector, and uh, and and I believe very healthy uh, to you know uh, prevent a lot of Chinese people from losing money. Okay, well, how about from the from the other side of the the equation? You know, you have the startups who are, although I guess not all this money is going to startups. A lot of it's maybe going to the property market and other stuff. But I mean, mm. do you think this is going to have any impact on on sort of startup activity and you know any particular sectors that might feel feel more impact than others? Well, you know, I, I think there's a much bigger issue here uh, with you know private equity and and startups in China and so on. Um, I mean, you could argue that you know if you have um, let's just pick a number, if you have five hundred dollars instead of a hundred dollars, more companies will be able to you know get funding which can be good and sometimes it's not necessarily that good by the way but whatever uh you know look at uh, look at what has happened in the crypto world and so on when you know lots of vc guys threw a lot of money at people who very clearly were not qualified but mm. so you know that aside the more fundamental issue is if you're a vc firm if you're a pe firm you put money, you do your, the best job that you can. You need to have, obviously, you know, a lot of talent uh, to be able to, uh, you know, uh, pick business models, companies that have a chance to do well and so on. But you don't want to be with them for the rest of your life. Your investors don't want to be with them for the rest of your life. So you need to have an exit strategy. Mm. So then uh, then at some point in time, you know, you start looking at the stock market, you start looking at the regulation uh, and uh, whether when you're going to want to get out, you're going to be able to get out at, at, at a decent price, first of all, but be able to get out at all and then so then the uh, the things that are becoming much more important are the stock market and regulation and uh, and that is obviously influencing what is happening uh, to the pe sector in china i think much more than you know the fact that they may have a little less in aggregate they may have less money because all, all of those smaller funds are shut out. Mm. Um, 
the, those are, I think, for the sector, at least, those are the real issues, you know, looking at the next two to five years. Okay. All right, let's move on to the, the second story, which actually I, I've followed the story pretty closely, and it's a, a fun story. It's um, the story of a former tech superstar that was uh, in the U.S., and like uh, the story has a lot of twists and turns. Almost, It almost feels like a Hollywood movie. Uh, the company we're talking about is called Too Simple, which I think you probably are familiar with them too, but it's brief. Yeah, its brief history in the U.S. has been anything but simple. Uh, it was once a leader in autonomous trucking technology and seemed to be on the cusp of a major breakthrough, I guess, by mass mass producing its products. But then some trouble struck when its two co-founders were suspected of economic espionage for sharing their technology with a Chinese company. And uh, now Two Simples announced it's leaving the U.S. completely to focus on its Asia operations, which are mostly in China. So uh, this company really looked quite promising at one point, and now all the work it's done in the U.S. has basically gone to waste. Uh, this kind of risk is obviously inherent with any new technology, but is there any additional risk uh, due to Too Simple's Chinese background? Yes. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, look, um, they, this is economic espionage. Yeah, that's the way you call it. I think that as far as I'm concerned, it's, it's much more a conflict of personal interest versus, um, you know, the, your responsibility to third party investors that uh, have funded, uh, your operation, your business, your company. From what I remember, it was not just sharing the technology with a company in China. That was a company in which those guys had some direct or indirect interest, but definite interest. Yeah. One of the uh, guys was a co-founder. One of the guys... Right. A co-founder of Too Simple was actually a, a co-founder of the company they were sharing the information with. So, yes. Exactly. So... So you know, I wouldn't call it I wouldn't call it um, uh, economic espionage. I, I would call it basically dealing. Um, yeah, I guess uh, I was looking for a more diplomatic term, but yeah, that's a good word. Um, that's that's what it is. And and you know, there there have been lots of stories like that um, involving uh, Chinese entrepreneurs. Chinese companies and so on over, I would say, the last 20 years that have affected, you know, foreign companies. It affects Chinese companies as well because they do that to themselves also, hmm. or at least to their compatriots. But, you know, uh, Siemens, the German uh, industrial complex, had a problem uh, in China many, many years ago. Volkswagen had a problem in China many years ago. Danone did and so on. And, and, uh, and there usually were you know, issues with people who forgot that uh, they had obligations to the people who funded them in the first place. But so uh, that's why I say it. I'm not surprised. Yes, definitely. Mm. Uh, that's a problem that you can generally speaking, attached to, uh, you know, Chinese companies much more than anywhere else in the world, as far as I'm concerned. Hmm. So that's, yeah, 
mm. you know, I think there are lots of there are lots of things here. Yeah, promising uh, autonomous uh, driving technology, all of that good stuff, and so on. Can you imagine what would happen? Uh, and and uh, I've been opposed to this from the beginning. And I know some people will tell me I live in the old century, but um, <laughs> the uh, uh, you know they used to test actually uh, some of those some of their trucks in southern Arizona, and so you have an eighteen wheeler fully charged. I don't know if they were testing fully charged trucks or not, but just imagine that you have an eighteen wheeler fully charged, without anybody on board, or maybe even somebody on board, but which is reading comics or watching porn, who knows? <laughs> um, and uh, and this thing, and, and then something happens, and this thing barrels down on a highway. For some reason, there are a bunch of cars who are slowing down or whatever. I mean, come on. You know, we heard the same thing about robot taxis, uh, and they actually started to roll them out in San Francisco until somebody got killed. And, uh, and then uh, all of a sudden, and you just need to read the news, you know, GM, which bought that uh, company called Cruise, which was going to revolutionize urban mobility and all of this and so on, uh, basically, I think, has, has fired 900 people, and they're just going to have to keep firing people if they still have any left <laughs> because the regulators have put a stop to it uh and you know some people will say well it's only in san francisco that's irrelevant there are enough people anywhere in 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 the u.s including regulators who are scared to death by this thing and it's going to be a long long time before we see that uh, people trying this again mm. and and that's just one car okay. i mean imagine a truck <laughs> right you're, you're you're diverging from our our central topic but obviously you're not a I fan know. of the uh this autonomous driving right but another issue about this vc guys and np guys and uh you know uh, this is yet another example i think of uh you know um vcs and and PE firms, having had too much uh, easy money for too long, throwing money at IDs that sound like very exciting and so on, but obviously not doing, not either doing due diligence correctly or not watching closely enough after they've put money in, uh, in a company that they fund. It's probably the latter as opposed to the former. But uh, clearly, you know, people were not watching. Um, and, uh, and that's a big problem for the PE world and for the VC world is that, you know, it's not just about getting excited about an idea and throwing money at it and so on, and then jumping on to the next one. And at some point in time, maybe having too many because there's too much money around. You got to watch these things. You got to be all over them and, and understand what's going on. Okay. <laughs> all right. We, we, like I said, we, we, we uh, drifted a little bit from the China angle here. Um, I, I, going back to the China angle just quickly, I mean, from the investor's perspective, are, are there any key lessons that uh, you know, we could learn from this, this too simple case? It's not simple, obviously. Well, I mean, yes and no. If you're thinking about retail investors, you know, 
retail investors do not have an ability to be close enough to companies to understand what's really going on and watch and all of that. So they will always suffer from any kind of fraud uh, that happens, whether it's a Chinese company or not a Chinese company, is actually irrelevant. The, uh, you know, the ones who have the ability to, uh, to watch more closely and protect everybody else are the professional institutional investors. And as I said earlier, it starts, you know, all the way early on at the VC level and, and the PE levels. I mean, these guys throw money at that, at these companies, and then they get, you know, seats on the board. Uh, but and that's where, you know, to some extent, you can uh, watch more closely, understand more closely and clearly what's going on and, and hopefully, uh, you know, prevent. Uh, major problems from developing. Mm -hmm. It is a Chinese story to some extent, but it is also not a Chinese story in as much as, you know, it basically can happen to you know, every company, whether it's fraud or mismanagement. Hmm. Okay. Seems like it happens more in China. I mean, look at FTX, right? Look at FTX. True. So it is not just a Chinese story. Okay. Um, okay. Uh, point taken. All right, let's 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 wrap everything up here. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening this week. Uh, continue this next time. If you like what you hear, please tell your friends about us and rate us and share us on your favorite podcast app. And don't forget to join us again next week for another edition of China Inc., when we'll look once more at the latest trending Chinese business topics. Hope to see you all then. Goodbye for now. Goodbye. Thank you all.